Next month, Redfern's CarriageWorks will host the first of three events honouring the founders and legacies of First Nations contemporary theatre, dance and politics. Devised by Narunga and Ghana artist Jacob Boehm, CarriageWorks' new director of First Nations programs, the events are organised around thematic pillars. Remember, party and protest. I spoke to Jacob about what you can expect and why this year holds particular significance for black arts. 2022 is kind of a 50-year anniversary of a few things that happened, just a few tiny things that happened. Um, The establishment of the Tent Embassy, number one, um, which was established in 1972, and that came out of the the organising and the mobilising of black communities in Redfern in Sydney. Um, At the same time, um, the National Black Theatre was being established and that was founded and formally uh, established in 1972 in Redfern as well, um, which pretty much set off, you know, the the last 50 years of black arts or black theatre in Australia, black theatre and dance, um, because, you know, we had the contemporary dance movement come out of that, uh, contemporary theatre movement come out of that, Places like AIDT, NASDA, Bangara, all um, came out of that, as did, you know, the many different um, theatre companies that we now have, the self-determined Aboriginal-owned and run theatre companies. How did this tie into the three categories that kind of mark your programming of party, protest and remember? When we looked at... um, you know, the significance of these events, you know, political, historical, cultural, it really came under three kind of pillars or banners, if you will, that we could create spaces for people to gather. One, uh, to remember and commemorate the occasion and pay homage to the legacy and the people that established in the, the National Black Theatre and Tent Embassy. So that comes under the program stream of Remember, which we, you know, are gathering people to look at a a film screening of Darlene Johnson's The Redfern Story, which is a documentary about the establishment and the founding of the National Black Theatre, which will be followed by a panel discussion led by and hosted by Shari Siebens, an an awesome actor and director, uh, to talk about the next 50 years of black theatre with some comparable and astonishing guests the other one was also protest that had to be part of it because our our theatre, our dance, a lot of our, our arts and cultural activities, contemporary arts and culture, is deeply rooted in our ability to continually speak to injustices and discrimination that we uh, still face on our own sovereign territories and also paying homage to the fact that, you know, our, our theatre traditions, our theatre lineage does come from protesting on the streets. You know, our original um, contemporary theatre sector, if you want to call it that, started as, um, you know, theatrical protests in the street to raise awareness around the land rights movement. So it made sense that we honour those traditions of where we've come from. Um, And it just so happens, you know, that it all is very timely that 
you know, we have a change of government and a government that actually wants to talk about a voice to parliament. So we've invited Thomas Mayer along, who's been an advocate for the Uluru Statement from the Heart, to speak to what the last, um, you know, five to seven years has been to get us to this point, and then what the next little bit will be around a, a voice to parliament. And it's basically an opportunity for the community to come together and talk about what that might mean, um, whether you're for or against. What does it mean to have a First Nations voice to parliament? And how is this all going to happen? Um, so we're basically creating a space for a citizens' assembly so that we can come together put our questions, or everyone put our questions on the table, put our fears, put our hopes on the table and have a discussion as a society, really. And party, well, I don't know. Do we need an excuse? (laughs) (laughs) At this stage, I think we deserve a party. Oh, hell yeah. (laughs) There's so much been going on in the last three years, isn't there? (laughs) So how is how is party going to um, shape up? What what will that look like? Oh look, we've got um, a f- quite a few guest curators and stages happening. So it's pretty much a venue wide um, celebration. So we've got different stages, uh, lots of different artists that we are currently working with that we want to work with, who we've got currently under commission, um, and it'll just be an opportunity for us to get together. So you can come. You can watch Graham Sims' curated drag stage. You know, Graham is a Gadigal elder, plus also um, has a another persona, a.k.a. Nana Miss Kuri. And so Graham has curated a drag stage, which will be a hell of a lot of fun. But you can also, you know, while there's drag happening at one end of the building, you can also go sit down with Aunty Carlene and, and do some weaving. Um, or you can go into another part of the building and try some, you know, native-inspired cocktails or go and sit and listen to some experimental music. Um, We've also got, you know, a few pop-up performances from uh, local dance companies uh, and theatre practitioners. Particularly because of the way that you've talked about protests kind of weaving through Mm. these ideas of party and remembering. Mm. I'm curious about what correlation there is between the sort of mediums that you have chosen for each theme or? Um, Not really. I think there's probably more to the point rather than a a particular medium correlating to a thematic, a program thematic. It's more, um, I don't know, a demonstration or display of black excellence and black brilliance across the board, <laughs> that we we don't just cover theatre and, and dance, but we're musicians, we're poets, we're writers, we're thinkers, we're filmmakers, um, we're observational, we're opinion, uh, you know, we have opinions uh, just across the board, just about showing black excellence, really. You're a multidisciplinary theatre maker and choreographer. You've led artistic direction of large-scale public events. For example, you were the founding creative director of Yerimboy. When it comes to First Nations festival programming, what's your ethos? What do you kind of go in hoping to achieve? Hmm. What I try to do with all of my work, and I suppose this stems back to my training. So I'm a nased baby. I'm a nased kid from the 90s. Um, And 
When I was at NASDA, we had training in both contemporary dance forms, but our rock, our foundation of all of our practice, was to be trained under songmen and songwomen from around the country. And it was there uh, that we all really got um, an education in, well, performance methodologies that, you know, pre-exist Greek theatre, English, Ibsen, um, all of it. You know, we have methodologies and practices that predate all of them. And that is what I try to bring to my contemporary practice, whether I'm making a work or whether I'm approaching a festival. It's how do we lead with our values, our cultural principles, spirituality, law, how do we lead with that? So one of the first things that I always do is I gather, you know, the a knowledge circle around me of, of traditional custodians. Um, so that's always essential and important to my work, that I have the knowledge of, of elders around me and the team. So to guide us both, you know, not just through law and through cultural practices, but also just wisdom of, of elders who have been around, seen, been there, done that um, longer than any of us have. So that's one of the most important things um, that I establish early on in my practice, no matter what I'm approaching. Uh, but then I also look at business models and ways of doing business, ways of programming that are can operate within a, you know, this Western contemporary kind of paradigm, but we lead with... Um, philosophy and cultural values first. I think that pretty much, yeah, I try to. <laughs> I also, I wanted to ask you about Carriage Works as a space mm. because, you know, it mm. is right there in Redfern, mm-hmm. um, which it's in the heart of Aboriginal protest and yeah. history. Um, how did how did the space itself inform your programming? Oh, look, I think, um, and that's the other thing, right? You know, like when we talk about cultural values and bringing all of us and bringing all of our values, you, of course, country, not only elders, but country, place, plays um, an immense and essential part of that. So, of course, the place and the site is totally, totally going to um, influence the way I think about programming in that area because, you know, Redfern, um, Everly, that, that site, Carriage Works, uh, was built over a hundred years ago. It attracted mob from all over New South Wales in the 1920s and 30s, which ended up, you know, because it was the only place, it was the considered um, the first place that offered equal pay to Aboriginal workers. Um, so it attracted mob from all over. New South Wales in the 20s and 30s. And that's how we ended up with uh, Redfern and what we all became to colloquially known as the black capital of Australia. So I can't walk into that space. I can't walk into this position without acknowledging the history of, of the place. And even prior to that, what that place was, it was a meeting place as well um, for ceremony and all kinds of stuff. So that's going to have a huge... Uh, impact and influence on how I approach what I do, not only for this program, but for the rest of my time and tenure at Carriage Works. 
Can you tell me a little bit about your tenure? Because this is this is the inaugural, but it is going to obviously continue on. Well, I suppose the thing that I've been looking at in terms of, you know, there's a bit of a sea change happening at, at Carriage Works at the moment. Um, we have a CEO, a board and a staff who are looking to make change and particularly who are looking to embed the principles of First Peoples First um, and embedding First Nations arts and cultural practice at the heart of carriage works. And that's just not in programming. That's in governance, that's in operations, um, looking at our business model, um, all kinds of stuff. So in terms of you know, my, my time at CarriageWorks, one of the things that we've we've started to do is how do we how do we embed some of these philosophies, some of these cultural values into the site itself? So the first thing that we did when I got there is we invited an Indigenous landscaping group. We had um, Imbue and Open Life Studios come in and they looked at the site. We donated all the existing um, flora that had been planted around carriage works. We donated that um, away. Uh, and then we invited the elders from the Wyanga Aboriginal Aged Care Service and kids from the Redfern Jarjams College to come in and replant all the vegetation around carriage works. So we worked with the two landscape designers, design studios, the Indigenous Landscape Design Studios, and they have chosen a whole bunch of vegetation that is like uber local to that site. It's like it became a project of bringing the plants home. So now we have a garden that is all a First Nations garden that surrounds carriage works that is um, all of the plants that used to thrive there 200 years ago. Um, and so now we have elders and jarjams coming every month to do programs around the garden. So they tend to the garden they also do dance, they do cooking classes, they do art classes all around the garden, all related back to the knowledge that's found in that garden. That's such a lovely idea. Yeah, no, it's really good. Um, it's lovely watching those kids and those elders interact because it was really about bringing, you know, one of the, you know, core principles that holds up our culture and has made sure that we have survived as the world's oldest living culture is that intergenerational knowledge exchange. And so that's pretty much at, at the core of why we set up that garden. It wasn't only to, well, there's a couple of things, you know, we bringing the plants back home, also looking at that garden now and looking at those seasons change through the garden, which reminds us, you know, that we're going through a bit of a climate crisis, which makes us look at you know, our sustainable practices and how we're doing business. But also one of the core things was to make space for that intergenerational knowledge exchange between elders and youth, you know, to keep culture strong and to keep culture getting passed down to further generations. Jacob Boehm there. There's already a wait list for the screening of Darlene Johnson's The Red Phone Story, which will be held on October 2nd. But you can still head along to protest and party on November 12th. I'll add a link to our show notes for more information, or you can head directly to CarriageWorks website. That's carriageworks.com.au.